Welcome to the Someone Somewhere podcast. It's Tuesday, August 27th, and I'm your host, Nicole. This is episode 26. This episode is brought to you by Polycultured, our farm resources blog. We create tools for sustaining backyard food production on small plots and in urban areas. If you enjoy this content, please support us by going to www.patreon.com polycultured. This episode is going to discuss permaculture farming with chickens. It's something I've had a lot of experience with after raising six generations of chickens on two different urban farms, one in Brooklyn, New York, and the other in Providence, Rhode Island. If you want a more general introduction to permaculture, I suggest going back to part one, episode 22, which delved into the history of the permaculture movement. Part two, episode 24, was on urban farming with permaculture, and covered the basic design principles and popular techniques of permaculture farming. I've had many people ask me for a chicken farming specific episode to share more about our experience with the birds and how we handled caring for them, as well as breeding them and butchering them all in an urban space. So there's a lot to go over, and I hope to provide information about why farming with chickens enriched our permaculture farm, what chickens can provide for you and other living beings on your farm, how chickens can connect with the permaculture design principles. I'll also explain how chickens contribute to the carbon capture cycle and soil life cycle. And lastly, I'll talk about how we managed and utilized fowl on our small permaculture urban farm and some unique urban issues with keeping fowl. So let's get started. First off, when we talk about animal agriculture, the idea that meat is intensive farming and vegetables are non-intensive farming is a myth. There's a lot of food production that is environmentally damaging that has nothing to do with raising meat. The processing and production of food in the industrial agriculture system has many different inputs of resources and energy along the way, from production to distribution to consumption to improper waste management. So we have to understand that all food has an environmental impact. The question is what type of impact that should have. Agricultural systems can in fact have positive impacts and also reinstate natural feedback loops which capture carbon and build soil when they're designed correctly and this is what we hope to achieve with permaculture. Grazing and land clearing animals in particular have special environmental role to play because they can take grasses, brush, and tree matter and turn that into fat and meat in their bodies all while building up soil which is rich in microorganisms. This in turn enhances the soil's ability to hold water and maintain grassland ecosystems with polycultures of native plants. They can also be immensely useful in orchards and for clearing decaying matter. In an urban environment, the big thing that you're missing is soil. The soil in the cities is toxic from years of industrial runoff. Heavy metals, PCBs, dioxins, and other contaminants may be in city soil. And so the reason why we decided to look for an urban space with a small yard is because we figured we would be able to raise a number of fowl there. But in order to do this safely was a layered process. We first had to create soil and heal the damaged soil below while also creating a barrier so that we could garden in an urban environment safely. This can be done with a compost that only utilizes worms and microbial life 
But when you take your food waste and you process it through the body of a chicken or another small animal, you'll see that things can move quite a bit faster. So this acceleration in the cycling of nutrients is what inspired us to urban farm with chickens. How did farming with chickens enrich our permaculture farm? Chickens enriched our farm by closing several loops for us. They're busy sunup to sundown, and they can serve several beneficial purposes. The introduction of animals to your farm is a big commitment, and not everyone's going to be able to fulfill that role. However, the good thing about keeping fowl is that not everybody has to, and just a small, properly managed urban space can feed a village. There are a number of different beneficial purposes that chickens can serve, which also enrich their own life and happiness. This translates into better soil, more nutritious food, more enjoyment in your garden space. When the spirit of the animals is good and you align them with their natural purpose, they provide without needing to be asked. There are several different ways that farming with chickens or other kinds of fowl can lessen your workload and provide for you more than they take up your time. The first thing that chickens do for you is they process your food waste for you, and they can do that faster than you ever could do by hand, and therefore they make it easier to compost. If I had a compost pile strictly using worms, I could still process all of my food waste but in an urban environment where food waste often rots before it has a chance to be broken down properly, you know that leaving it in its food waste state for too long is going to be a problem. Chickens can eat strictly from compost and the insects that are attracted to it. They allowed us to break down over 100,000 pounds of food waste from a local farm-to-table restaurant, which was sourcing local food. In just a few years, all of that food waste became inches of topsoil through the chicken's hard work of scratching, digging, and eating through the food waste. All that we really had to do was manage the space properly, sift out the soil when it was ready, and, and that was basically how we ran this chicken compost system. The perk of keeping chickens is, you know, many fold, but one of the most underrated things that they can do for you is to process your food waste. People often assume that chickens will attract vermin, which it undoubtedly can when it's mismanaged. But when you're properly managing the food waste by covering it or only giving the chickens as much as they're going to be able to eat in that one day, um, you can easily manage this kind of food scrap system and even though you may need to cover the food scraps with mulch or hay, the chickens will happily uncover it the following day by their scratching and digging. So the first real cornerstone of this process is that they can process food waste for you, and that's something that you no longer have the job of doing. And it's probably the most labor-intensive thing that you're going to do on the farm, so the fact that you can get animals to do it for you is a huge advantage. The next thing those chickens are going to do for you is make nitrogen-rich manure, aerate, and turn the compost, which attracts diverse microbial life. And as you know from some of my earlier episodes, that microbial life is essential to getting you the plants that you want to grow in a, in a healthy way um, that are nutritious and also that grow voraciously for you. So the fact that chickens can bring this microbial life to you 
and right to your space, right to your soil is going to be a huge advantage to when you are vegetable farming. So another side effect of them eating up all that food waste is that it produces chicken manure. Chicken manure contains nitrogen, phosphorus, calcium, magnesium, sulfur, copper, zinc, chlorine, boron, iron, and more. It can rapidly release nitrogen with about 75% of nitrogen stores becoming available to plants in the first year. Phosphorus is released much more slowly, making chicken manure both a quick-release and slow-release fertilizer. It also contains ammonia, and this is what can sometimes contribute to the foul smell of chicken manure. When you smell ammonia, you know that you're doing something wrong um, because you want that ammonia to actually make it into the soil itself. Ammonia is a large part of how nitrogen becomes available to plants, and so ammonia must be worked into the soil before evaporating and therefore the soil losing its nitrogen potency. It also needs to be composted to reduce its original potency. It can be very um, damaging to some tender-rooted plants. So you want to make sure that that chicken manure fully breaks down with all the food waste and all the dry material and everything else. So you want the balance of beneficial organisms to be dominating the microbial life in the soil, and that's when you'll know that 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 soil is ready to actually make it to your raised beds. So those microbes are the key to successfully turning that chicken manure into the essentially the food for your garden. And the chickens will scratch and turn up the topsoil and introduce a multitude of different microbes to the space. And so this is just another way where they're doing all this work for you. You don't have to worry about amendments and adding all of these different expensive items to enrich your garden soil if the chickens can essentially do all of that for you just with the work of their bodies. Chickens can also manage insects and rodents on your farm. As I've talked about earlier, chickens are very busy animals. They take some time to chill, but most of their life is spent searching for food and eating food. They're instinctually called to search for insects and larvae, and this is where chickens can be essential to pest management. You can even set up certain perimeters for them to graze different areas. They can eat lots of different pests such as aphids, beetles, slugs, and most importantly ticks. Certain types of fowl, like guinea fowl, can be particularly good at getting ticks. So consider using them if you have a problem in your area. You can actually use the birds to holistically manage any kind of pest problem that you may have. And amazingly, chickens are omnivorous predators who will even eat small mice and rats. I've actually seen my rooster swallow a field mouse whole, and they can be particular allies to keeping vermin out of the space. So this is just another advantage to keeping chickens that seems antithetical. It seems like chickens would probably attract vermin, but they are also really good at being omnivorous and, and eating up um, live live things, not just vegetation. Uh, chickens are not vegetarians, and this is something that, through clever marketing, has become um, rather commonplace to see on, on eggs, for instance, vegetarian-raised hens. But what you'll find when you uh, raise chickens is that they very much like to eat living things as well. Another very obvious advantage to raising chickens in an urban space or in any space is that they they make eggs and they also make more chicken if you choose to breed them. 
we were able to be egg sovereign without buying eggs from the store for over four years when we raised chickens. And we went just about two years without purchasing store-bought chicken or bone stock through breeding the chickens and raising them to adulthood. Chickens have a 21-day gestation, and they can make about a dozen baby chicks in one hatch. So they're vulnerable animals, and this is probably why they reproduce so quickly. This provides deep and constant nutrition for you or your family or your neighborhood, and that's whether you want to use the eggs or raise the birds for meat or fat or bone broth, or if you just want to keep breeding them. Chickens can be a rather stable animal food source because they produce meat, fat, organs, and bones. Their bodies and bones can, of course, go right back into the garden that they helped create. So um, in, a, in a really good compost system, you're actually able to break down the animal as well and turn their bones back into ash, and, and that can all be a part of the garden. So it would, in my opinion, be wise to set up a system where the chickens are not ever wasted. Whether they're butchered by you or killed by a predator, uh, it's good to set up a system where they can go right back into the garden. Another perk of keeping chickens is that they foster community, they can connect with children, and they're a great teaching tool. Plant gardens are very exciting, of course, but as someone who's raised chickens in an urban environment, people love chickens. They connect us to so many cultures around the world, and they really bring a community together. They're remarkable animals for that, and their inclusion in permaculture farms is usually strictly confined to their ecological capabilities, like I've been listing, um, which are very stacked, but there's something to be said about how they can teach us and what they can teach us. Um, it's left a lasting impact on me, and I see the way that it impacts other people and brings people from different cultures together. I feel like I know these animals now, and, and I can understand them and what their needs are. And so the people that I get to share them with, they get to, to know that too. And I think that that's a very beautiful process. And the last thing I would say about chickens is that they kickstart cycles and they close loops. Chickens can really help ecological succession. They can bring a lot of biodiversity to the land rather quickly, especially when plants and insects are introduced along with them. And because chickens deal with waste outputs and they make really important inputs, it seems like a no-brainer to me to include them uh, when they have the right amount of space and when you have stewards who are empowered to manage them properly. They are a responsibility because you have to keep them safe and provide for them. But their ability to kickstart cycles and close loops makes them important to the way that we could reimagine most environments, but especially urban environments in the state that they're in now. Here's how chickens can connect with the permaculture design principles. In the previous episodes, I've talked about the permaculture design principles, what they are, and why we observe them as a system. Chickens connect with them in a number of ways, as permaculture is keen to including animals and also fungi in its systems. So the first place where they connect is in food forests and layers of vegetation. Chickens are descended from jungle fowl, and they take care of the ground layer all the way up to the understory layer. So they can fly, not very far, but they can definitely make it up into trees, especially uh, their ancestors, which were a little bit lighter than them. 
than the domesticated breeds that we've bred for breasts and for thighs and things like that. Uh, for this reason, they manage forests and orchards extremely well because of their tendency to fly a bit. They're also great land grazers, but because they have aerial predators such as hawks, they prefer some tree coverage, a safe place to duck and hide, if you will. And this is also important to think about when you design where your garden will go and if the raised beds will have fencing or, or be raised up to prevent chickens from grazing there. So how will you separate your chicken space from your garden space? There are spaces where you're not going to want the chickens to get to, and then there's other spaces where you're going to want them to graze. So it's all about directing their, their free-range behavior, essentially. Another place where they connect is the zones. When we talk about permaculture zones, where do chickens go? Chickens usually occupy zones one or two, the closest to your home center. And this is because it makes them easier to manage and keep them safe by having them closer to the house while you utilize them as composters or as a food source. If you keep roosters, however, you'll want to keep them in zone two for when they start crowing. Chickens also need fresh water all the time, so designing your water catchment system to include the chickens' needs will make your life easier. This can be done by creating a feed to the chickens' watering system, and even by using the force of gravity to keep their water fresh and flowing, um, that prevents freezing in the winter months. Chickens can also be rotational grazers. If you have a space where you can rotate and control their grazing area, this can be a really beneficial way to manage urban outdoor space and keep the vegetation at bay without using fossil fuels like a lawnmower or a weed whacker. This also spreads out their manure and creates ready-to-plant areas where ecological repair can occur afterwards. Next, I'd like to talk about how chickens contribute to the carbon capture cycle and soil life cycle. Chickens contribute to the proper cycling of waste in two ways. The first is carbon capture. Chickens capture carbon because they produce manure, which encourages diverse microbial life. When chicken manure is composted, these microbes eat and hold carbon in their bodies and prevent it from being released in the air. This process is also known as carbon sink. And chickens, as well as most other animals, help contribute to it by just living their lives. This form of regenerative agriculture contributes to the building of soil, encouragement of biodiversity, and ecological stability. The second way is by preventing food waste from entering the landfill in the first place. Organic waste sent to landfills decomposes and produces 18% of U.S. methane gas emissions, according to an EPA report. About one-third of the world's food, nearly 1.3 billion tons, is lost or wasted, according to the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations. For all industrialized nations, food waste accounts for roughly $680 billion annually lost. This shows us that the industrial food system must be recalled, abolished, and wiser, more traditional forms of regional agriculture must be able to take their rightful place, as we desperately try to reverse the already escalating effects of our reckless climate mismanagement. Because chickens prevent food waste from becoming methane, they doubly contribute to preventing greenhouse gases from escaping into the atmosphere. This regenerative form of chicken farming differs fundamentally from industrial chicken farming, 
which is environmentally destructive in a number of ways. So this is how we managed and utilized fowl on our small permaculture urban farm and some unique urban issues with keeping fowl. We focused our efforts on composting with chickens. That was really the impetus for getting the chickens. So what I'm first going to talk about is how we created a compost area right in the chicken coop. Just brought it all right to the chickens. The first thing we did was create a composting area. We started our compost pile right in the center of the chicken coop run. It was convenient for us and the chickens. Ease of access here is key. You'll want a place you can easily dump your organic material. Additionally, you'll want to ensure ease of removal. If you keep your hens in a fenced-in area, pick a spot that allows you to easily remove the organic compost when it's done. If you use free range for your chickens, simply place the compost pile as close as possible to the source you'll be using it for, such as your garden. The second thing you'll want to do is add organic material to your compost. Pay attention to your mix of organic materials. You'll want a balanced ratio of carbon and nitrogen, which requires mixing the brown matter and green matter. Diversity will help develop the variety of microorganisms that work in your pile and increase your chances of achieving nutrient-rich compost. High carbon brown materials include, but aren't limited to, leaves, shredded newspaper, pine needles, sawdust, straw, fruit scraps, shredded twigs, branches, and corn stalks. Green materials include things like alfalfa, coffee grounds, garden waste, kitchen scraps, clover, grass clippings, hay, and manure. Don't worry about mixing your pile. Your chickens will tear into it naturally and do all of the work for you. Next, you'll want to introduce the chickens. After you obtain your base of organic materials by bringing in piles of leaves, sawdust, pine needles, straw, keep it into a pile and start adding your kitchen scraps to it. As we added to our pile every day, the chickens quite instinctively headed for the pile and began working it. Some gardeners will cover the pile and heat it up before releasing the chickens to do their task. For us, we had perfectly fine results just letting them get at it without doing any uh, traditional composting method beforehand. And then lastly, you'll have to scoop out the coop at some point. When cleaning out your coop, you'll no longer need to haul the chicken manure away. You can just dump that material straight into the compost pile with all the food waste and everything else, and the hens will assist you in mixing up all of that free organic fertilizer right into the pile. So once the chickens produced soil, we had more than we needed to get planting. As this compost pile aged and the beds continued to deepen, they became more and more responsive to the new seeds that we would plant. The idea is that the chickens do all of the soil work for you so that you can focus on tending to your plants and harvesting your food or preserving your harvest. There's so many things to do on a farm that composting is just one of those laborious tasks that you are going to end up putting off. Um, so having the chickens as your resource to constantly create soil for you just changes the entire process of of farming for me. It really made things a lot easier and things happened a lot faster. And I think that's something that people don't necessarily realize how much um, labor that these birds contribute. But of course, it's labor that they like to do. It enriches their life. We're not exploiting them in the process. This is something that they uh, would do on their own. 
And so that's kind of another permaculture principle of always looking at nature and trying to mimic what nature is doing, not trying to force nature to do something that it doesn't want to do. Chickens are particularly vulnerable creatures, especially with raccoons and hawks around. Keeping them safe at night is the only way to ensure their safety. Prioritizing building a secure coop that is easy to clean and easy to remove eggs from is really important to enjoying the act of chicken farming, rather it being a battle. Keeping them safe includes keeping them dry. If they can stay dry, their rate of getting sick will go way down as well. So you'll need to have access to dry material and a place to store dry material to keep the chickens dry at all times. I like to collect my neighbor's leaf bags, but you'll need to go through this for plastic or other materials that shouldn't be in there. Hay bales and other dried grasses will also work as bedding, but wood chips are the best, and this is because they can soak in moisture really well and suppress flies. Make sure that they have a proper roofing and the chickens will be in really good shape. Um, as long as they can stay dry in a rainstorm, they're, they're not really going to get sick. However, if they do get an infection, there are two things that I always had on hand for raising chickens, and that is plain yogurt and apple cider vinegar. ACV can be added to their water regularly just to ward off bacteria as a preventative, and yogurt works particularly well if they show signs of lethargy or sickness, such as closed eyes or fallen wings, which indicate a bacterial infection. Treating them as soon as you see the signs of infection can save their life. They can die rather quickly without treatment. I would sometimes apply the yogurt even directly to them topically to their vent hole or to their mouth if the infection looks serious. Chickens also get bored easily. They need time to be enriched by ranging around or doing something for you. So building up a compost pile in your chicken run allows them to flatten it back down again by scratching all day. Your chickens will be very happy and fulfilled and thus more nutritious if they're enriched in their daily life. They also love roost space. This is space to perch on. So lots of branches for them to hang out on will make them very happy. If they have branch space and they have a, a pile to flatten, they'll say nothing all day. They'll just cluck around and, and that will be the entirety of their day and they'll be so happy and then they'll put themselves to bed at the end of the day. Another thing that you might want to encourage uh, easier laying is to make separate nest boxes. This encourages the chickens to lay comfortably without fighting over the nest. Depending on the pecking order, there still may be a scuffle over who gets to nest in what order. But in the coop design, put the roost space on one side and the nest boxes on the other side. This will keep them from pooping on their eggs so you get nice clean eggs. And they're very particular creatures and by getting to know them you'll start to understand their needs better. I went through a really deep learning curve with making sure to raise them properly under this regenerative model and so it will take a while to get your, your own model set up but using this as a loose guide can really help you set up something that's simple and that works for you and that also makes the chickens very happy. Lastly, my big piece of advice I would say with chickens is to learn how to harvest a chicken. Even if you have no intention of eating the chicken, if a predator mortally wounds them or the chickens possibly hurt one another 
or some kind of farm accident happens where the chicken has to be put out of its misery, just knowing how to properly butcher a chicken humanely is part of raising them humanely. And this process also brings you very close to death and to natural cycles. And it can be a sacred process if you give your all to raising the animal with dignity and respect. So I would definitely encourage you to do your research on whether or not you'll be able to uphold that side of of farming with these animals because they are extremely fragile and they are prey for many animals, not just for human food consumption. And so this makes them very desirable and, uh, and things can happen that are unpleasant. So I definitely think that getting to that point is, um, is something that everyone who raises chickens should uh, at least hope, hope to, to go to. So that's going to be all for now. This episode went over permaculture farming with chickens. I covered why chickens are an enrichment to our permaculture farm, what they can provide for you and other living beings on your farm, how chickens connect with the permaculture design principles, how they contribute to the carbon capture cycle and soil life cycle, and a bit about how we managed and utilized fowl on our small permaculture urban farm and some unique urban issues with keeping fowl. I wanted to keep it generally to this type of information rather than a how to keep them because the topic of raising chickens is huge and the information regarding even just setting up infrastructure for chickens could be its own episode. So I'm hoping to do more work that is detailed about exactly how we went about things on the farm. But I wanted to create this episode to talk about why chickens are such a big thing for us and why they became so central to the rest of our farming operation. As you can see, the types of jobs that they provide are these pretty big um, and, and very strenuous jobs that as a farmer could take up a lot of your time and your energy and also be rather frustrating or not necessarily give you the same results that these animals can give. So I think overall just talking about how they become a part of the system and how they close those loops, those ecological loops, is, uh, is something to focus on here. So I hope that you learned something and I hope that you at some point in your life can make the, the desirable change to raise chickens. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please like and subscribe or comment to let me know how I'm doing. This episode is brought to you by Polycultured, our farm resources blog. We create tools for sustaining backyard food production on small plots and in urban areas. If you enjoyed this content, please support us by going to www.patreon.com polycultured. This concludes episode 26 of the Someone Somewhere podcast. Good night.